Wasn't it very, very wonderful today to enjoy our youth and leading our services and seeing these bright young men and women sing and praise God? It's just so encouraging, and we need that so much. I certainly want to thank Melanie and Jason and Stephanie Harmon uh, every Wednesday night and Kai and others that gather here to encourage our youth and, and do the things that Jesus taught us to do to uh, build upon their lives the very foundation that will enable them to deal with the stress and struggles of life as we live it in this world. It's just really encouraging. I just want to thank you for doing that and for them for allowing us to be here. Thank you, youth, for singing and doing and Kason for playing. You did a wonderful job. It's just a blessing to, uh, to be a part of a family of God, and may the Lord bless you. Thank you, parents and, and such that have encouraged them so. May the Lord bless you know, I, I suppose one of the questions that all of us as Christians are asking, have asked probably over the last couple of years, is what can we do? What can we do? Because we seem so helpless in the world that we're living, uh, uh, what we can do. Uh, can we do anything? It just seems like uh, nobody can do anything. And uh, I want to kind of deal with that today as we begin a study on uh, that very question, what can we do? And uh, God has called us to do a lot, and he's enabled us to do a lot. And I pray the Lord will bless us to see that part of our lives, that we would bring him honor and glory, and that we would have a great effect uh, upon others in the life and the things we do. May the Lord bless us today. I pray that he would be honored and glorified through his precious word. Would you turn in your Bibles with me to Psalm Division 11? Psalm Division 11. Here we have a psalm of David, and this psalm was written when David was in the court of Saul. And uh, he had been through the, the uh, wilderness, and God had delivered him. He had already faced Goliath. But he's in a situation now where he's in the court, and people really literally hate him. Saul does because of his jealousy. And you remember he befriended Jonathan, and they were very, very close. But Saul wanted David dead. And he was in a situation where he just felt like his whole life was falling apart. And he asked that question, what can he do about it? And I think this was a great theme to begin a study on what can we do. Would you stand with me as I read this short and wonderful psalm? There's only seven verses, but I pray the Holy Spirit will fill our hearts with each one of them as we read together. Psalm Division 11. In the Lord put I my trust. How say ye to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain. For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string that they may privately shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord tries the righteous, but the wicked and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and an horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, his countenance doth behold the upright. Please be seated. May the Lord bless His holy and most powerful word. 
What can we do? We can face the facts. Face the truth. Facing the facts. And that seems like to be the hardest thing for some of us to do. But it's the first step to making any progress. You hear me? you got to face reality. Face the facts. Face the truth. And that's what David had to do. Now he could run, and that's what he was encouraged to do. But David had a determined trust in God. Trust in God is the same as facing facts. So may the Lord help us when we say, what can I do? The first thing we can do is face the facts. I believe that so many times we don't know what to do, and when we do, we don't do it because we're not facing the facts. Facts will conquer fear, okay? And so we need to face the facts, and I pray that the Lord would help us as we see that as the title of what I want to try to say today. And I want to say three reasons why I believe facing the facts are so important and so manifest in the Song of David in Psalm 11. Number one is, facts are greater than feelings. Facts are greater than feelings. Now, I'm sure David had the feeling of running. You ever felt like just, let's just run away? I mean, you know, you get down sometimes in life, and when things sort of build up in stress and trials, and hurt and pain, we just say, I want to get out of here. I want to get, I got to get some relief. And David was advised, said, why don't you flee? His, uh, they said, flee as a bird to your mountain. David said, no, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because David had a determined trust. He didn't let his feelings manifest or motivate him Beyond his trust in God. Now God we can trust. God we can have confidence in. But we can't have confidence in anything else, even ourselves. And we need to face that fact. We need to face the fact that we're sinners and that we're weak. We need to face the fact that we desperately need Jesus. We need to face the fact that our government is not working. We need to face the fact that there's evil in this world. We need to face the fact that we're not going to live in this world forever. We need to face the fact that, that this is not our final home, that our treasure is in heaven with Jesus our Lord. We need to face that now. The quicker we face it, the quicker we're going to be able to start making progress to trust in the Lord. So, so facts are greater than feelings. You know, feelings, though, seems like to be the way we motivate our motives and do things based on our feelings. Now, we would be a sorry lot. I know I would if all I did was what I felt like doing. You know, sometimes in the mornings, I don't feel like getting up. I don't. Not every day. I don't want to. I just don't feel like it. But once I get up and start going, I feel better. Sometimes you don't feel like coming to church. You just want to admit it. But the fact is, when you come, you're facing the fact that we're to worship God. 
We're facing the fact that God's word says that we're to forsake not the assembling of ourselves and God doesn't say if you feel like it. Jesus didn't say to his disciples, follow me if you feel like it. He said, follow me if you don't feel like it. Because he said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So we need to understand that and ask God, oh God, I want to face the fact Examine yourself. Look in the mirror. You face the facts and you say, God, I'm facing reality. I know, God, I need you. I desperately need you. And I know there's problems and there's pain, but I'm going to face the facts. And God has called us to do that. Job had to do that, and he was in a situation of great calamity, as you know. And Job in 23.10 faced the fact, and he says this, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So Job was not following his feelings. You know what? You cannot even follow your faith most of the time, or not all the times anyway. You know, our faith ebbs and flows. God has to send trials to strengthen our faith. But beyond it all, deeper than feelings and faith is facts. And I wanted you to know that God is a fact. The God factor is the difference in the foundations of our life. And God's word says, and David cries out when he thunders, I'm not going to run. He says, I'm going to face reality. And I'm going to ask the question, what can the righteous do? Now, you got to be brave in a way to find that in your heart to say and really mean it. What can we do? And then when we are told or felt like or led in that way, are we going to do it? And so David says, I'm not going to run. I'm going to face reality. So David was saying, facts are greater than feelings. What, what actually David was doing was getting back to the basics. We have to get back to the basics in this world we're living in. The basics, the basic deal is to trust God. I mean trust Him with all your heart. That is going to be the foundation. Trust in God. Because we can trust Him. The very center verse in all the Bible. It's Psalms 118, verse 8. That verse says, it is better to trust in God than to put confidence in men. So that means something. It's the very center verse. We're to trust God. And we're to trust God all the time when things don't feel like trusting Him. When we don't feel like praying, it's when we need to pray the most and the most fervently. We trust him. You know, I was talking to Brother Pat McCoy the other day over at Rama, and he was telling me that he's in touch with some of the pastors and the churches that were planted over there. And um, recently, they, they were some people gathered in a congregation in one of those little churches. And the Russians came in and told them, you can do three things. You can bow down and submit to Russian orthodoxy. 
you can leave or you can die. Now that actually happened last week in the Ukraine. He said they all left. But my friends, we're in a life, in our world, where Christianity, Christians are becoming marginalized, lots like the Jews. And we're going to face the fact we got to face the fact that, that we got to stand up for Christ. And we can't fool around and do nothing. we got to understand that God will enable us. I mean, you know, I feel like you do, the Ukraine. I said, man, I can't believe those places are just being blown up. Women and children being blown apart. And nobody does nothing. And then you hear it say, well, we're afraid we're going to start a war. (laughs) No, we're not afraid to start a war. We're afraid we're going to lose some padding in our pocketbooks. The the man over in Russia, the tyrant, has, has us over a barrel, so to speak, a barrel of oil. And I think in Christians, we as a nation, as a so-called ought-to-be Christian nation, year or two ago, you remember the riots and all that was going on in our nation and all the statues were emblematic of the, of, the, of the establishment of this country were torn down. And nobody did anything. They were afraid. They were going to offend somebody. And I want you to know that sin is living in our world today in homes and in churches and undermining the very foundation of our culture with socialism and liberalism and psychology and wokeism and we don't do anything. Why? Because we're afraid to start a war. And what God is calling us to do is to start a war. A war against sin. A war against ungodly living. Because you can see, can't you, in this chapter or in this division of songs, righteousness does make a difference. It does make a difference how you live. It does make a difference that your life is built on the foundation of God and His Word. And we ought not to be afraid to fight the good fight of faith because God has called us to be good soldiers of the Lord. He has not called us to be pansies and sit up in his church and look good and feel good, but he's called us to do what God has called us to do. And he has promised us that we will have problems. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. So I want you to see that with me, that this God that we serve, David trusts in the Lord. He says, I'm not going to go by my feelings. And he says he trusts in this Lord. In verse 4, his his Lord is in the holy temple. The Lord is in his holy temple. God is alive. We can trust him. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Do you know in Psalm, or rather Isaiah 57 and 15, he says that 
the Lord sits in eternity, high and lifted up, but he sees those of a contrite and broken heart. Our God is not only the God of the mountains, he is also the God of the valleys. And so when we see that and bless that, that he's on the throne, and that even though we go through the valleys, we trust him and we bless him. Yes, he sits high, but he looks low. Notice he says, his eyelids behold, or try, the eyes behold, his eyelids try, the children of men. You know, I've got a lot of times where I have to squint to read a sign. You know, I have to look at it close. That's what God is doing to this world. I believe God is in a squint. He's alive, but God is watching it all. And we can understand that and bless him and face the fact that God is in control. May the Lord bless us to see that facts are greater than feelings. And we need to get back to the basic of trust God. All right, secondly, I want us to see in, under the heading of face the facts, we're asking what can we do? We can face the facts. The truth might hurt, but it'll make you free, okay? Secondly, I want you to see with me that grace is greater than ifs. Grace is greater than ifs. You know, ifs will run you ragged. If you live your life based on ifs, a lot of those ifs will never happen. You hear me? They won't. Some of them will maybe, but not all of them. And so we see here, if the foundations be destroyed. But grace is greater than the ifs. And I want you to know with me, and I want you to be glad in your heart that there's some foundations that cannot, absolutely, will not be destroyed. <laughs> you hear me? These foundations are the Bible. Did you know the Word of God will not be destroyed? Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. What could we do without the Bible? I promise you, friends, I would have absolutely nothing to say. When I get up here and try to preach, I'm not preaching about some thing Randy comes up with, hopefully. I'm trying to tell you what God's word says. God's word is inerrant. It is true, holy inspired from, from Genesis to Revelation. And we need to pick up where the devil left off. Because Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, you remember what the devil said, if. Satan always tells us if. He did that with Adam and Eve, you know, with, with Eve. If. He tells Jesus, if you're the son of God. If you're hungry, if you really want a power, bow down to me. And Jesus gave him the facts. Jesus told him what God said. Jesus said, it is written. So when the devil gets after you, you don't have to run the, I'll try to outrun the devil, all this world. You go to God and you reveal to him that you want to face the facts, that you are a sinner and that you're weak. 
But you also believe that grace is greater than any kind of if. Because sometimes you will feel like the foundations are being destroyed. But they're not. Justification by faith cannot be destroyed. Grace overrides that, okay? You're not saved because you want to be. You're saved because God chose you to be saved. You're saved because God has given you his Holy Spirit that draws you. Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father draw him. And he says, he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So there's foundations that can't be destroyed. 1 John 5, 1, the Bible says, whosoever believeth, that Christ is the Son of God, is born of God. <laughs> That's never going to change. Never. It's a firm foundation. Grace overrides that. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven. Psalms 32.1. Are covered and iniquities forgiven. What a blessing to see this. These are foundations that grace overrides. These are the times, my friends, that we need to settle down and trust God and face the facts and believe that grace overrides any of the ifs of our life. We all got a lot of if this, if that. You make that if the sweetness of God's blessing. That's what grace can do. In 2 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul, you remember, prayed to that thorn be removed. He had seen the third heaven, but then something came along and destroyed his very foundation. And so when we see that, we see what, he, what God says. Jesus said, it's letters in red in my Bible. He says, my grace is sufficient for thee. And in your weakness, you'll find power. I'm going to tell you what you get. With grace, you get the power to do what God has called you to do. When you have grace, you have the power of God. It is going to be sufficient. God says in his word, as thy days are, so shall thy strength be. But here it is, my friends, we got to know that. We got to believe that. We got to trust that the God that said that is the God of truth. You can't go out and tell me today and look up at that sky this morning, there is not a God. Now can you? You can't do it. You'd be lying to yourself. But there's going to be days when you can't see anything but clouds. And what you need to do when you see the sufficiencies of the power of grace, every Christian, no matter how dense the cloud cover, ought to be able to spot uh, just a twinkle of blue peeking through somewhere. And that's how it is. That's the sufficiency of grace. God always gives his people something to look forward to. If it's heaven, we have something to look forward to. Grace is greater than any ifs. How do you think Job responded when he lost? His foundations were destroyed. 
Job 1.21, he says, Naked I came into this world, I'm going to leave that same way. The Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What can we do when our foundations are destroyed? We can praise God. We can be thankful for what he's given us. We can bless his holy name. We can be steadfast. And really, this psalm, uh, one of the commentators that I read behind said that this was known as the steadfastness psalm. It's showing the steadfastness, but you don't know that until you have to deal with problems. 1 Corinthians 15, we see that's the resurrection chapter. And we see the power in the resurrection. And that is overcoming to all. Jesus has conquered all our enemies, even death, the greatest of all. And the very last verse of 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says there, therefore, because he rose again, because he took the sting out of death, be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Plenty to do. What a blessing. All right, then lastly, what have I tried to say? Facts are greater than feelings. Grace is greater than ifs. And thirdly, Christ is greater than them all. Notice the victory is to the righteous. Now, there are some foundations that can be destroyed in our lives. David's, that was what he was talking about, I'm convinced. The government that Saul was promoting of evil, that was the foundation that David saw the cracks in. And we're in that time today. We have, or living where families are concerned about where their children go to school. We're living in a time when churches have succumbed in some places to the philosophy of man and humanism. When we're afraid to go to war with Satan. But I'm going to tell you, Satan is not afraid to do battle with us. We have a spiritual warfare, but the righteous, what does that mean? Notice that he says, for the righteous, in verse 7, Lord loveth righteousness. See, when we face the fact, we understand, we don't have any righteousness. We get that from God. Jesus Christ, the righteous, the God of all grace that suffices us. So, really, we don't have a, to wallow in ruin. No matter what we see the world do, what we need to say is, I am going to face the facts. I'm going to know that God's grace is going to conquer all my ifs, my doubts and fears, and I believe that Christ is greater than them all. He tells us, Dutney, in John 10, the sheep chapter, that you're in his hands as the sheep of his fold, and no one can pluck them out of my hands. And not only that, you're in God's hands too. And so what a blessing of security that is for our lives of the grace of God. But it matters, I said a while ago, and I want to close with this, righteousness. You know what we can do? We can do what the righteous ought to do. 
Now the question is, are you doing, am I doing what I ought to do? Because sometimes we don't do what we ought to do. We do rather what we want to do. (laughs) And so when the apostle Paul in Acts was called, and Peter, they were going to be put in prison, and they said, I don't give a rip. We ought to obey God rather than men. And we're going to have to understand that. That we're going to trust him because he's trustworthy. We're going to have to understand that his grace is sufficient. And if we get in prison because of it, he can open the doors. He did that before. He can free us. The deal is we ought to obey God. We ought to live like God's called us to live. Not like people want us to live. When Daniel, young man, I think these young people thought of Daniel, he's captured and he goes to that pagan king's place and he says to eat his meat. David purposed in his heart, or Daniel rather, when he's young, just young, youth, teenager. He says, I'm not going to do what the world calls me to do. See, he was trusting in God. He was determined. And even though he went in the lion's den, and even though we'll face persecution, God closed their mouths. I mean, we're living in such times of the opportunity to let our light shine. And we certainly don't need to cover up God's grace with bad habits. We don't need to try to run and hide. We need to stand up. Because God says, the wicked flee when no one pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. We need to understand that our righteousness not will give us pride, rather humility, but it'll make us bold. It'll make us confident that when you do the right thing, you're pleasing God. And when you're pleasing God, you're going to please yourself and you're going to please everybody else. When you make your life a life that is based on pleasing others, you will find you won't be able to please them, yourself, or God. So may God help us to face the facts. May we help by His Spirit know that His grace is greater than any ifs. And certainly, may our lives be testified and momentumized by the fact that he's greater than all. And God will give us opportunity to prove that. I have so much more I'd like to say, but I'll try to say it later. But I want you to be able to know with me that if the foundations be destroyed, there's much we can do. There's some foundations that actually never will be destroyed. Thank God. There's some that will be. Some that are very dear to our hearts. We're seeing that now in our culture, in families, in churches. May the Lord bless us to understand. Like David, who did not run, he says, I'm going to trust God because I know God is in charge. May the Lord bless you. Would you bear with me? We thank you, most precious Heavenly Father, for being in charge of our lives, of this world. 
We pray, O oh Lord, that you would charge us with your enabling grace to fight the good fight of faith, to love you, to not be like a jar of pickles sitting on the shelf, but to be a basket of fruit that others may enjoy and be strengthened by. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you for the facts of life and of death, for the grace that conquers all of our ifs. And we thank you and praise your holy name that Jesus is greater than all. Bless you, O God, as we exalt your holy name. Forgive us where we've ever doubted or failed you. Thank you for your forgiving love. Bring us close to thee and one another. In Jesus' most precious, exalted name we pray. Amen.